Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Doctors, market lovers, we have a lot to talk about. But it's not just hey, reporting which number. I don't think. Show. If you want the news, I tell you go watch the news. What you need is interpretation of the number, where markets are uh, could be headed. I don't want to say projected to be headed because that's not what we do. We're not prognosticators. We're just interpreting uh, the the analysis given by price, right? Otherwise known as technical analysis. Yes. And I want to show you a bunch of things here before we ease into the show. But give me a shot of Hunter. Oh, Hunter. Yeah. Please. Guess, Thank you. This, this so right right, right before right we started. Hey, Hunter. Uh, right before we started, uh, the fifth Beatle, Hunter Mazingo, um, <laughs> was, was on camera with Zach. And Zach is like, hey, we got to get you some art. And so, hey, let's get you some art, man. And then, then it dawned on me that, well, uh, Zach goes, hey, we should get him the art that Danny has. And Danny doesn't have any art. Danny just has. How dare you? <laughs> call, calling what Danny has on his walls art man's is, office is, is, full is, of color. is an insult to art. Yeah. So, uh, but. Zach then goes, we should get him this because Danny has two pictures of Andre Agassi. Like, they're the and, same photo. They're the same photo, but he right? Has two, copies two of them. Of one them. at the home office right. and one at the office. Both office. framed, both, both frames, both, both signed by Andre Agassi. It's pretty interesting. So, uh, but, I, but then I think what we should do is give me Hunter's shot again. Yeah. So, my original thought was we get Hunter a piece of art that every week is more decrepit than the previous week. Sure. Right? But then it's like, no, no, we should get Hunter 8 by 10 glossies of tennis players. Just stick them on the Just back. stick them on the back wall every week. To, <laughs> and, and not say anything. And, or, like, or have them in such a way that it's so obvious to everybody else watching. Because I've got, I've got the next cup of coffee that Danny will never notice. Right. Oh, no. It would take him months. Years. Months to years. notice like, art on Hunter's Like You, you would yeah, hear 100%. some kind of Yosemite Sam voice going, Hunter! You got some tennis players back there? What is that back there? Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, and it could be like John McEnroe from the early years, like the early 80s, sure. and then like John McEnroe now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe or, we could just get him like a giant blow-up version of it from Kinko's, send it his way, he could hang it on the wall like huge. Like a fathead? Right, like make it really, yes, ob- like overwhelmingly obvious. Go. Yeah. That, yeah, that I just don't think Andre Danny would ever notice. No. Like, like, I don't ever, like, like an 8 by 10 of Martina Navratilova. Danny's a numbers man, all right. He's focused, he's focused on he's focused on the work. Good for him. After God. he catches on to the joke, he's like, "Hey, can you send me those?" Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Send those back my way. <laughs> so, anyway, stock numbers, market numbers. Look, um, uh, CPI never came out. Uh, core uh, CPI never came out uh, this morning. By the way, I'll forget to tell you. Next week, Fed meeting. 
on Wednesday uh, with the press conference afterwards. But here, here, just Zach, can you get my screen here? Lickety split. Look with the with the notifications on. Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah, know. If please. You no. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, do you want people to see those? Right. No, I do. Yeah, yeah. I specifically screenshotted them. Yeah. So, uh, so this is it. You didn't need a government report to tell you it's bad. That's 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 what I really want to talk. No, that's not what I want to talk about. But like, but it's interesting. It's so front and center now. And you're like, Tim, you follow a bunch of news services. I I I, I do that for this reason right here. Like when there is big news or what is deemed to be big news, it's always oh this one is wrong. I this one had a I don't know. Okay, they they got me there. They it was an inflation uh, one from the Wall Street Journal, but then uh, they must have uh, covered it up with a lack of COVID testing. But trust me, the Wall Street Journal. Covers it. This is bad, right? Like inflation, forty-year highs, um, not seen since nineteen eighty-one. You know, and that wasn't known as an economic um, hotbed, you know, 1981. It was when we talked about it last week. And uh, we've been talking about what, I, what feels like ad nauseum for six months, seven months now, eight months, about the, the inflation issue. And I know this isn't a told you so moment because I don't think there's any that doesn't help anybody. Um, but it, what you're seeing now, though, I wonder. Zach, I'm going to build a picture here. I hesitate to say it. Are we peaking? Oh. And, an optimist. No, I wouldn't even say it's optimism. Well, I mean, peaking implies that we're about to hit the turn and go back I, down. I'm right? not saying next month's going to be better. Okay. But there's a couple things that I'm seeing, and I want to point them out. Yeah. And I think they're interesting. It doesn't mean that. Well, Jim said that inflation's peaking. That kid don't know diddly squat. I can hear the emails already. Right. <laughs> People in the comments. Yes. And, and so, look, I'm going to point some things out to you. Um, and hopefully they're informative. And maybe it, it gives sign to that good inflation be for the, for the moment peaking. Now, look, a lot of things have to happen. Uh, to, to have it go the other way, but it, it doesn't. Inflation peaking means that maybe it just goes sideways. It remains persistently high. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's a real flat peak. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the grand. It's not the grand Tetons. When you hit scale, it you go no. down. No. no, no, no. It, we're just there. We're yeah. plateauing. Maybe it's just say plateauing. It could be a plateau. Might plateauing be might there be a go. better way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get a plateau and a peak in the? Uh, I'll put in. Uh, yeah. I'll put Andre Agassi on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's get Andre Agassi, Martina Navratilova, Danny, Danny, uh, Yosemite Sam with the tennis racket. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure this. We'll figure out the art. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Doctor, you go to Revere Asset YouTube. Uh, we do an art file. Well, it's on the podcast too. Well, let me show you. Go to Revere Asset uh, tomorrow's insights is what we call them. Uh, choose the podcast, and you will see the. It's they're they're like um, it's like go ahead. It, it's like a, a art deck, not art deck. It's a very personality oriented thumbnail. Let's, yeah, let's say that. Yeah, and so we try to give you a clue what the show is about. It's a game within a game um, yeah. by looking at the art file, and then a lot of people like to play along. So anyway, anyway, anyway. Now, are uh, we going to go with the old long-haired headband Agassi or the the latter-day shaved bald Andre Agassi? Both. I want to try. Well, that's not bad. I want to try to find the photo of, of the Danny's guy. 
Whichever one that is. He's oh, like mid swing, yeah. his sweats flying off his forehead. Like you know a Wimbledon. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Wimbledon Andre Agassi. Action. People Act. click on action. Oh, well, then yeah. Andre Agassi in action, right? It's the only way. Danny running after him for a signature. That's some action. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, so I want to I want to build this um, up, but real quick, you, you know things. Let me show you just how bad things are. I, I've 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 lamented that John Ehrlichman uh, on Twitter is a great follow. Okay, and here's the price increases just in the past year. Uh, Forty nine percent on gas. Look look at, I mean he's going uh, worst to best. Uh, baby food thirteen percent. Cars pickles. Pickles, 12%. Peanut butter, 12%. Paid more for that bottle, that jar of Jif. Um, but this this right here, the gas and the airline ticket, this is what's going to uh, really, I mean, obviously a bunch of things like food are going to hurt the economy, but if people, I'll build the, the, the picture up here, but if people stop commuting, um, that's going to uh, cause a, a drawdown in demand for, for petrol. And well, why why would that be? Airlines are, you know, all the planes are sold out. Well, there's less planes in the air. Okay, um, hotels seem to be doing well. Maybe their stocks aren't, but they seem to be doing. Well. And I think it's if you take a look at it, like what's happened during COVID, right? The work from home uh, movement is not foreign. This no. is it's ops normal. Yeah. And so people. If people have the opportunity to not have to drive, no matter how far into the office, that's less petrol being consumed. Yeah, if you're going to have family second guess in the summer road trip, it, hey, it's a real long drive. Maybe we should take, you know, stop somewhere shorter. Right, it'll be super interesting to see this. And yeah. then so, I mean, you, you, but you know these price increases. But you, you might think they're bad, but now I want to tell you that you're, you're not wrong. The, the rest of the world thinks they're bad, too. And by the rest of the world, I think it's one of the most important consumer sentiment surveys in the universe. It's the University of Michigan sentiment number. And it is at its lowest level since inception. Since 1980. I believe since inception, but the lowest in, in the middle since 1980. And I'm going to tell you that I've done a ton of research on this. Uh, consumer sentiment precedes market movement lower. Okay. But, but this has been trending lower. Like, we've already had market movement lower. We're, it doesn't mean we can't go lower. But this consumer, consumer sentiment survey is the worst since 1980, which is interesting. This is worse than when COVID first hit and everything shut down in March. So not, not COVID when they stimulated the economy with checks. but But... When COVID hit and they were shutting everything down, no more NBA games, no more sports, nothing. And the consumer survey came out. This one that was just released this morning, June 9th, June 10th. We're on June 10th, right? Mm -hmm. Friday, June 10th, when we're taping this show in the morning. This is the worst one since the middle of 1980. Can the consumer get worse? Listen, I'm going to tell you, it can always get worse, right? Like, just because. Prices fall on X percent doesn't mean it can't fall another X percent. Matter of fact, we've done that show. Uh, if you go to Revere Asset and you go back to uh, Tomorrow's Insights, we actually go over in short shows and podcasts 400, 401, 402, and 403, just how much further markets can fall. And we, we've done that. 
And so I, I don't I, I don't need to rehash all that. But I wonder. I wonder, is this the peak for the consumer sentiment, like the inverse peak? Is this the trough? Is this as low as consumer sentiment's going to get? Think about it. It's, 19, it's 2008. We're having the worst economic recession since the Great Depression. Yet. And consumer sentiment wasn't as bad as it is this morning. According to this, what's changed? I mean, I mean, we are not even in the worst recession since the Great Depression, and and yet this is low. So is this a forebear? Is this? A, and I don't know the answer, but I, I've got some thoughts. Is this a forebear to things to come? It's going to be worse. Which, by the way, could always be that way. Um, but it's kind of, if I told you what, what would be worse, the, the consumer sentiment in 2008 or consumer sentiment in COVID or consumer sentiment right now, I mean, I think a lay person might choose 08, right? I wouldn't guess now out of those options. Yeah. No. Uh, that's, and so, but this number is lower than now. And, and, and so look, I'm not, I'm not an apologist for this economy. I'm not, I, anyone who's listening to the show knows where, where I stand. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man of the people that listen to this show. Popular. I'm certainly not an apologist for uh, poor decision-making by people that could have affected this differently. But this, my gosh, is shocking. Not a lot of confidence in the market. No. And, and, and why is this a forebear? To the, why could this be a forebear to things? Because you know, Stockner, it's a market leverage, that the economy that we live in is 70% consumer-driven. We're a service-based economy. We're what would be known as an evolved economy, whereas we're not an industrious economy, where the economy in China is industrial. But we are, we, we want to pay other people to make our things, and we want to consume them, and we want to pay people services. That's what we do. And if there's no confidence that the economy is going to grow and be strong to support those habits, then people are going to obviously rein in. And I'm going to tell you that I have a small, small thought, Zachary. Okay. Small belief. Do you, did you know? Do you know what happened to Target? Zach, let me show you a chart. No, what happened to Target? <laughs> Welcome to Target. So, um, that's uh, there's a skit from Saturday Night Live. That was uh, yeah. If you can find that person <laughs> who uh, she, I don't know her name, but she's she's a checkout person at Target. Welcome to Target, and she's like from Minnesota because Target's in Gilda Radner. No, no, no. It's more recent. It's like early two thousand. Oh, okay. Early 2000s. I, I, Molly Shannon, I made that up. I don't think so. Yeah, she, it could be Molly Shannon. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah. Molly Shannon did a lot of, yeah. That actually sounds like a Molly Shannon bit. Oh, uh, really? I mean, eh, who's to say? Tina I don't Faye, know. Amy no, Tina. Oh, no. Kate McKinnon? No, not Kate McKinnon. No, she does real estate commercials. So, um, she does. Uh, so, here's Target. And uh, it, there's this big gap down early, um, earlier. Um, Don, when was the announcement? Why am I looking at the, why does this chart look funny to me? That was earnings. It was earlier this week, right? Target had the gap down here. Uh, hold on, I can bring it up. Yeah, like I don't my chart is like askew, and I'm like, what is wrong with me chart? Yeah, on the seventh, but then it finished at the highs yeah. of the day. And people sure. were like, Oh, things aren't as bad as uh it was a great reaction, well off the lows. So what did Target no. say? 
they they said that they have excess inventory. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. I saw, yeah, I saw yeah. a video and about so that. they said, that. Yeah, yeah. "Hey man, turns out people aren't buying as much as we thought." And we stocked up because it was COVID and we had supply chain issues, but now the market's changed dramatically again <coughs> and we have too much inventory. And their stock like sank pre-market, but then it recovered as done. It, it was fine for the day. But it was a big deal. And that's, that's three weeks after their earnings report where they already it, said things were bad and they didn't, they didn't think, and they, they deteriorated that quickly over three weeks that they had to come out again and, wow. that, and discuss right, it. And right there is my point. What Don has mentioned, this number, the CPI number, is much older. They didn't just compile this report in the last couple of weeks. This number is much older. It's very rearview looking. Okay, it's it, it. When I say much older, it it it's last month. It's May, but they didn't just start working on this report June first or the thirty first, which was like last Tuesday. They started compiling these numbers from the beginning of the month, probably to the middle, third week of the month, and put this report together. Target came out probably well after this report was in its final stage. And so what I'm saying is, has consumer sentiment, has the, the consumer's clearly turned already, is the consumer sentiment survey that's been rolled, is this the trough? Is the, so then you take the inverse of that, if consumer sentiment is the trough, well, it was since 1980, worse than COVID before uh, stimulus checks, worse than financial uh, economic recession, destruction in 2008, worse than 1999, dot-com implosion, worse since 1980. And Target comes out uh, and, and says, hey, man, we got too much stuff. We're going to discount it. And I wonder if that means, okay, the Target is first and foremost, right? Three weeks, as Don mentioned, after their earnings report they're like dude we better warn now like they're like let's warn now oh by the way did anybody else see that target raised their dividend this week by 20 percent they warned on excess inventory but but brian cornell ceo of target feels so look at that. I, got, I got hunter not with the joke but with the fact <laughs> <laughs> either way i got him yeah and so thanks. uh that's all that matters to me is that i got hunter and so I can always tell, I like the hunter reactions. You've got, you've got an audience. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so, uh, like Brian Cornell feels so strongly about the second half of his business because he got out ahead of this inventory thing that he raised his dividend by 20%. Mm. Boy, that's something. That's something. Yeah. And so he needed to get rid of the, the, the stuff that's not selling right now TVs, you know. Um, Blippy toys. Anyone who has kids knows what that is. And um, he's like, I got to get ready for back to school. I got to get ready for fall. I got to get ready for holiday. And so he's got to clear it out, right? Old stuff's got to go because new stuff's coming in. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Come down to the big sale. Target. And so have we. That's a shameless attempt to stop the bleeding of the stock price and to make the yield look. Could, could be. Yeah. Look, could be. Get up to 3%. Could, could absolutely be. That that take could absolutely be true. That's that. I'll tell you what. That is dangerous ground, though, to walk on. 
when you when your your business could be falling apart and you yep. raise the dividend. That is that is treacherous ground uh, for somebody to walk on. And so it makes me wonder what 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 is peak? Has anything peaked? And I and I want to look at the dollar. So let's take a look at the dollar here. But I think it helps to look at the dollar on a daily chart through the lens of an ATR. And so everyone's seen me do these ATR charts. If you're new to the show, email me. I'll send you uh, a primer on the ATR charts. Uh, but let's look at Dixie. And the market, Dixie, and, and we've talked about this, dollar goes higher, markets go lower. And you can see uh, over the last couple of sessions here, one, two, three. When is the market really falling apart? The last couple of sessions. And look at the dollar. Up to the second ATR. And so uh, could it get to the third ATR? It could. The move, though, I'm telling you, the move, and, and it's got to the third ATR here, and then falls back, third ATR, and then it really pulls back. I wonder if this is the move, like it was kind of here, two ATR, two ATR. I would have thought that we'd the way price action is happening in the indices, and anyone who's watched any of my videos sees me do this relationship. When markets are sharply lower, dollar is sharply higher. And it's up 2% today, so that is sharply higher. But I would have thought in the last couple of days it would be at the third ATR. It would be three times the normal movement. And it's not. And I'm like, oh, that's a big old hammer handle there. Maybe it does go higher. But it's actually come off a little bit uh, this morning. If I can get my mouse anywhere near, there we are. <laughs> to select the time frame. You can see it starts here, it travels, and it's, it's, it's not at its high. And that, so it's not just, I mean, it's up 2%. It's a big, but we're not, we're not it's not relentless. Maybe, maybe it pulls back. How about uh, TNX? They go hand in hand. Well, what's TNX? TNX is the interest rates, right? 10-year treasury. And you read this chart. So TNX was initially lower, but now it's 3.148%. And you can see as the TNX goes higher, what happens? Markets have gone lower. I don't need to show you a chart of markets going lower. You know markets going lower. I mean, this is a 3% move in rates. These are monstrous moves. These are ginormously big moves. The dollar up 2%, 10-year treasury, I mean, rates up. This makes the cost of everything higher. So when the dollar goes higher, you're like, whoa, you get more, get more buying power. It's being trumped by the, these rates. You're going to get higher credit card debt, uh, and, and we've got some credit card debt issues. Uh, you're, everything costs more because this TNX is going higher, this 10-year treasury rate. And we've already lamented that. We, we could do ZB if you want to, 30-year treasuries. Um, and you can see 30-year treasuries are actually lower uh, today. The tenure is higher, and a lot is keyed off of the tenure. And that's why I talk about it. And so, where where does that leave? Where does that leave all markets? So it makes me want to talk a little bit more, uh, a little bit more about the, the sentiment of the of the investor community. Okay, because it, what what. We're at 3,900, we're at 3,900. So we're, we're just at lows here uh, as we come, into, come out of European close. And so for the first time, now we've got dollar 
spiking into the second ATR. We've got yields doing the exact same move. This is the highest. I enabled my marker. This is the highest at 1.23. Put call ratio has been in all of 2023. And I think that's important. It doesn't mean, you know, like, well, what's this spike here? I think that was an anomaly. I've seen those candles before. I don't believe this candle to be true. I could be wrong. I've seen it before. This dollar right now, I mean, excuse me, this put call ratio, meaning that there's so many people bearing up now. And they might be, it's not that there could be, you know, they might not be right. Maybe the, maybe the big drop is to come. But this put call ratio is the highest it's been in all of 2022. And what is that? And, and oh, by the way, a little subtlety here. As the markets were receding this week, look at the trend of this 10-day moving average that I lay over the put call. Pointing down. Only now do you get it pointing back higher. And it's at what, 0.84? When you see it encroach 0.9, Bill, that's a good sign for bulls. I put call ratio a higher 10-day moving average. And what does that mean? That means that in the rowboat, that is the markets. So when the put call ratio is down here, everybody's bullish, right? But you can see how that worked out. Everybody's bullish, 10-day moving average heading lower. Everybody's bullish. And so when I'm looking at the boat here, you know, everybody's on one side of it, on the bullish side, what happens? It tips over and it tipped over to the downside. But now we got that same boat. Well, okay, that boat is, what kind of boat is that? It's like a pork chop or a ham. It's not even close to looking like a boat. But let's pretend it's a boat. Now everybody's on this side, and that's the bearish side. What's going to happen? There's a really good chance that you do this. Well, football ratio is high here, sideways to slightly higher move. Could this be the whoosh that we needed in markets? Perhaps. We'll see. Next week's a big week. I, I believe it's options expiration. Third week of June. Big week with the Fed. Kind of try to tell you that there's a soft landing out there for this big old ship that is the United States stock market. So I wonder if we've chopped and are chopped. Or wonder if we've peaked momentarily, hit a trough in consumer sentiment. And then I want to show you this one last thing before I turn it over to Hunter. That means I'm coming to you, Hunter. So I'm let's, ready. All right, man. Let's get SPX. Coming at you fast. Yeah. Coming at you fast on a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I want to put this on a weekly time. We're at 3902. SPX. And, and by the way, if anyone mistake, mistakes me as sounding bullish, <laughs> you don't hear it. Don't, don't misinterpret my words. What I'm about to show you is what I think is what's happening. So here's the low. Right here, the week of 516, 38.10. Now, maybe we're headed there. Maybe we're not. But I think, dangerous words in the market, right? We just may be in a violent flat face. Now, this is bearish. There's nothing good about it, right? So take that for what it's worth. But a flat face, and if you don't know what a flat face is, let me, let me pull this up. If you're not familiar with what a flat base is, it's one of my favorite chart patterns. Three weeks tight flat bases are my favorite chart patterns. They're defined, I, you know, as being uh, five weeks minimum, 
and you can find us on the investor. I'll put I'll put a link to it so you can read about it. Five weeks minimum time frame, no more than fifteen percent depth peak withdrawal. Okay, and so when I look at this structure that's taking place on this weekly chart, I'm seeing a flat base. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. You could you call it, you want to call this week? Sure, six. We're six weeks into it, five weeks into it. And this is about five. Let me see what the range is. I can uh, do it from here. It is uh, about 9.9%. 9. 9. Maybe, maybe we'll just call, call it 10%. It's not 15%. And so um, I wonder. I mean, maybe we get down to this 38, uh, 15, 38, 10 level. But I wonder if this is just a flat base that's testing this bottom range. Come up here and test out the range. We're still not, we're still not, it's still not determined how this flat base resolves. And I want to, I want to really emphasize this because today is a day that it is, it, I mean, it's good to be a bear today, right? Yeah, market's down 3%. S&Ps are down 3% right now. It's, it's, today is the bear's day. But it doesn't take much with the high put call ratio and a majority of the market bared up to ignite one of those fierce short covering rallies. doesn't mean anything has changed with the economy. It doesn't mean gas prices go lower. It doesn't mean that everything doesn't cost more. Speaking of everything costing more, Zach, are you familiar with the McFlurry? McDonald's I, McFlurry? I am familiar with the McFlurry. Right. Sorry. So last yeah, night, go ahead. Last night I did a project with the Remster at his um, at his little school. And uh it was it was cool. We made a paper football. Analog football, right? Like you put you put it together. Analog football. Analog That's right. football. Yeah. Football football the way it was meant to be played. Exactly. Physically. On a tabletop kicking a football. And so I'm like, hey, man, that was fun. You want to go get some ice cream? Sure, man. So I was going to get him a cone at McDonald's, right? You know? Oh, no. Okay. But I walk in, I'm like, McFlurry? It's like a, like a blizzard, except I didn't have to go to Dairy Queen. Sounds amazing. Right. Yeah, By the way, the Dairy Queen, can we, can we, does anyone else's Dairy Queen smell awful when they walk in them? Or is it just the ones in Texas? We have a local Dairy Queen. I've never been in it. Don't drive. Go smell it. Yeah, all right. Do I don't show I, research. I'm not. I'm I'll not being. Back. I'm go not smell being, your. Go smell your local Dairy Queen. That's exactly that's right. it. Give it away. I'm not going to lie. I don't enjoy. Um, like I think in terms of uh, parlance of uh, cleanliness, service. Yeah. Chick Fil A man rules the roost, right? Oh. Yeah, like it's hard to have a bad experience at a Chick Fil A, uh, but because they they've got some really interesting standards, like good standards. Yeah. Dairy Queen does not have these standards. No. No. And anyway, I stopped going to Dairy Queen because I, I, I didn't enjoy the smell when I took the kids in there. I'm like, why does it smell so awful in here? You got to hit that drive through It's the only way. Well, then, yeah, I don't, I, eh, not, not a fan. The Blizzard's so, solid. I think the Buffett owns Dairy Queen. The Warren Buffett? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Berkshire Hathaway owns Dairy Queen. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not sure the complaints. I'm not sure if he, maybe his Dairy Queen is like pristine. You know, Ford had this issue where um, for years, Ford... Uh, <laughs> Ford had this Dairy Queen issue? Well, I don't know if Ford I don't smelled it. If anyone's going into Ford's headquarters and it smells like a Dairy Queen, yeah. they, they probably got problems. Sure. But Ford uh, in the 80s, right, their CEO always had the greatest. He didn't understand what the problems were with his vehicle because every day his vehicle was being tended to 
whether it's being wiped down or mechanically ensure that it mechanically worked. Okay. So everybody else is driving Pintos and whatever from Ford, and they're like, they keep breaking down. We're catching on fire or whatever. And the CEO had zero. He, he was oblivious to the issues with his cars because his cars were always great, right? Yeah. I wonder if Warren Buffett has that. He stops at Dairy Queen, gets a blizzard. It's like, oh, my gosh, this place is great. Like, he needs to get out of Omaha's. Like, no way. He needs to come to the to the Texas Dairy Queens and take a sniff. Here, <laughs> the Dairy Queens I've been to of late, they're not they're not that nice. They're Thank pretty, you. Yeah. By the way, these are these are new Dairy Queens. These aren't like old Dairy Queens. I don't know if I've ever been to a new Dairy Queen. Mm, these are new, and somehow they in, they impregnated the smell of. And you're like Tim. What could it smell like other than ice cream? If it's sour t- dairy, you, right? That's no. If you took sewage, okay, and right. then you mixed in. <laughs> Hold on, hold fryer on. oil it does not smell like sewage and Dairy Queen, and then Axe body spray from yeah. the teenagers working there. Okay, I'd believe that. Put that together, sure. Uh, and then like smells like chicken tenders, rancid oil. You sewage. two go to so you went and got a McFlurry. Oh yeah, was the ice cream machine working? Thank you. Oh yeah, McDonald's that's a whole, that's a whole issue, right? Has non-functioning yeah, ice cream whole, machines. That's where I figured this was going. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So yes, back to the McFlurry. Yes. So uh, you want to talk about inflation? Oh no. If I would have seen the price before this. I, I, I would have maybe thought my choice. The, the McFlurry was no bigger than my phone, like sure. size-wise. I'm right. not, not being specific. Plenty, plenty of ice cream. That's fair. Sure. No. Okay. No. Not for, <laughs> not for the almost $4 I paid for it. It oh, was three eighty nine. Really? It was 4 bucks after With tax. tax. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, well, gee, well, you live in New York. Shit, you're big shit. No, I live in rural, well, not, rural Texas. Right? Yeah. McDonald's. It's McDonald's. Going to the Ritz. It's it's not. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, th- this was this wasn't some like they didn't go out and hand milk the cow prior to no. putting it in the flurry. The McFlurry, by the way, uh, ingenious on McDonald's part. It's could they be even more stingier with their Oreo cookie in? Fun? I, I oh, they put like one in there. Oh my goodness! Like one Oreo gracious. cookie. I'm looking. I'm small. like, do you look? Do you, do you, are you the person who's responsible for accounting for every cookie crumb that goes in this McFlurry? Put more in there, McDonald's. Can we, let's get a complaint. Dairy Queen, McDonald's. Anyway, so uh, a person puts the ice cream in there. Doesn't fill the thing up. And she goes, okay, that'd be four, whatever. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, this size? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. But the McFlurry's got a plastic spoon, right? Yes. And then they put it into the, the machine, uh-huh. like in the, like the, the end of like a blender head. And yep. the spoon does the story, not some kind of blade whip. Yeah, thought that was ingenious. Yeah. Maybe that's what I paid for, like a show of watching how this plastic spoon can mix a concoction that costs McDonald's twenty nine cents. Peering over the counter, watching this poor person mixing. I said to her four bucks, and she looks at me and goes, "I just work here. I, I don't. I don't price the food." Like she must hear it. I mean, yeah, that's true. So, like she had a response that, and I didn't say it meanly. I was like, "Are you sure that's four dollars? Did yeah. we ring this up properly? Right? Did you give me like three Big Macs with this? Like, uh." Astonished. Yeah, Uma Thurman's milkshake in Pulp Fiction was five bucks, and that was like a deal, right? They had a whole scene. John Travolta's like, "That's a five dollar milkshake." She's like, "Well, yeah, it's good, right?" Like, oh, that the eighties. Now we're McDonald's. Are, are we up calling? Can, are we calling Pulp Fiction the good old days? Can we get John Travolta with the dance on the? For sure. Thanks. Yeah, be I'll awesome. be drinking a McFlurry. Hey, I told you I was coming to you, Hunter. You did. Hey, by the way, inflation is at McDonald's. Dairy, if Dairy Queen smell where you're at, let me know. Uh, as a matter of fact. Let Dan know, Dan at revereasset.com, and maybe just put in the subject, my Dairy Queen smells. I just, 
we won't tell Danny that we talked about this on the show, because here's the thing. Danny won't listen to the show. So let's just set Dan up for success here. So Dan won't listen to the show. And if you send him email after email going, hey, man, hey, Dan, uh, Bob here, uh, my Dairy Queen smells too, uh, that would be fantastic. And let's see if we can jam Danny's inbox with your inflation stories and if you're what fat what fast yeah. food restaurant by you smell what flavor mcflurry do you get right you know in, what right we'll compile now. all those emails into a sh- let's see if danny even tells us right will he even will he even admit <laughs> so quite the game of telephone yeah will he even tell hunter and don and i that he's getting these weird emails about dairy queen smelling in all these different states across the country it's dan at revereasset.com and if you've experienced price inflation with your mcflurry and then quite shocked by it send those emails to him too see what i did there i also have don myself and hunter's email address you did plug the show yeah you yeah. see that's how you do that that's like right. you, you make it look like it's about dan but what you really did is get the other guys uh involved with their contact information the audience and how you didn't even the call. They, they didn't even see it coming, no. dude. see that's you. that's a trick that you only get at the Connecticut school of broadcasting upstairs as we now gave hunter a couple times to get his thoughts together and we say hunter what would you like to talk about stock yes well, you stole a little bit of my oh, no. under there uh, talking about the dollar. Uh, and the reason being is the dollar is one of the best looking charts in the market right now. Obviously, the last couple of days, like you showed on the charts there, it's gotten a little bit extended. It's kind of made a pretty decent move. But the point being, and I know we've talked about this a lot, is as long as that dollar chart looks bullish and is doing what it's doing now, it's going to be tough on equities, at least in the near to intermediate term, to have any type of sustained momentum. And like you showed on this on the charts with the dollar, we got a little bit of a pullback. And sure enough, kind of coinciding with that, we got a little bit of a relief rally in the markets too. Um, but as long as this continues to look like it does, meaning a constructive bullish chart, it's going to be tough um, for US equities in particular, especially, you know, you're more uh, techie type of names. Obviously, the Qs are having a tougher time this year than the Dow or the S&P. But that's just what I wanted to point out on the dollar is the last couple of days that move has kind of been confirmed as far as kind of the bounce off the 50 day. Uh, if you look at UUP and Market Smith, for example, but moving on from the dollar. Um, there you go, Tony, you can pull it. I was same, same chart, just a different name, uh, more or less there. But uh, I wasn't planning on talking about this one, but it caught my attention as I was doing some scanning while Tim was talking about Dairy Queens there. Ah, uh, yeah. Gold, GLD, is uh, putting in a big candle today, uh, getting back above some key moving averages here. Um, really kind of has accelerated here in the last hour or so, but uh, had come back down below the 200 day, the 21, the ADMA, but a big candle today with some pretty decent volume on GLD as well. Uh, so another chart that maybe could possibly start to shape up the 50 day is a couple of percent overhead, but, uh, this is what you want to see if you own gold or if you're watching gold, this is the type of undercut and reclaim of those key levels, those key moving averages that you would like to see specifically with big time volume as well. So GLD, uh, possibly starting to come to life a little bit here after kind of basing all around this 200 day moving average. Um, and then I'm going to talk about two more stocks, Tim. And then I want to talk about some FIB levels on the Qs and the S&P. So uh, the two stocks I've talked about in exhaustion this week, but I think it bears repeating and looking at these charts. Tim, will you pull up Apple? 
So in Monday's video, I talked about these recent lows being right around 144 and 145. That kind of range right there, if you look back to like 6.6, 6.7, kind of all in that range. And that was a big level. And what we talked about on Monday was if, if, you, if you're a bull for Apple, or if you're bull for the market in general, you need Apple to act right, really. Uh, you wanted to see those levels, that area kind of hold and a reclaim of the moving average, uh, the 21 and the 8. And you got that, but it was extremely brief. And Apple proceeded to be very weak yesterday, uh, kind of leading the indices lower. And then today, obviously, Apple is down again, losing that 145 level now back below those key moving averages. And on top of that, you've also got the daily stochastic rolling over on Apple. And the reason I think Apple is so important is very simple. It's the heaviest weighted stock in the Qs and the S&P 500. So as Apple goes, pretty much the market is going to go. And that, that's not always the case. There's nothing that's an absolute. But when you've got a name that's 10% of an index or seven, eight percent of one of the of index, it's going to it's going to move the markets and it's going to carry it. So here we have Apple coming back down, possibly going to retest that low at 132. This 138 area is a big, big support level. You can see there's uh, it was a previous resistance level kind of turned into a support level here. Um, it's a big, big area for Apple. It has a tendency to bounce here. So we'll see if that plays out today. Um, and the other stock, Tim, is Tesla, T-S-L-A. And the big level we talked about on Monday's video for Tesla was 700, which tried to hold up for a little bit today, uh, but ultimately has given way. I think it's around 688, 687 uh, there on your screen. So Tesla, same thing. We wanted to see the 700 level hold. We wanted to see a quick reclaim of those moving averages, the 21 and the 8 day. We got that. Yesterday, Tesla had an upgrade, I believe, from UBS. Um, moving Tesla pretty significantly in the pre-market up to about 750 and then it continued higher to around the 760-ish range uh, yesterday before it ultimately reversed back below the 21 and right into the 8-day. And then lo and behold, today with the poor market action and the reaction to the CPI report, we're now back below that 700 level, back below the 21, back below the 8. And you're going to see those short-term moving averages, the 21 and the 8-day, roll over to the downside um, barring a big time reversal with the rest of the day uh, remaining. So two very important stocks to the market. Obviously, there's other names to Microsoft, Amazon, Google, what have you. Uh, but these were the two that I, I mentioned at the beginning of week. Very important to focus on and starting to break down a little bit here along with the markets. So that's it for stocks. And what I have here on the indices, Tim, is only going to take a quick second. So I'm going to start mm. with the Qs, okay? So QQQ. You can pull up a weekly if you would like to. You don't have to. Um, but I see you've got the fibs on there as it is, too. So that uh, bounce that we recently had on the queues, I'm going to pull this up as well. So I'm looking with you guys here. Kind of corresponded to that 50% uh, retracement level from the COVID lows to the recent highs. So that level is right around 285-ish there. Uh, as you can kind of see on, on Tim's screen, there's a, a fib at that level. But that was the 50% retracement. We kind of bounced in that range, undercut it a little bit towards the 280-ish level. But we came back up um, ultimately, and it looks like we're kind of rolling over and possibly going to retest those lows now. But what I want to point out is the FIB that's below this, the next FIB level. So that is the 61.8 on QQQ, and that's right around 258. Um, and I just also want to point out that equates to a 37% decline on the cues from high to low. So 
if you look at the 408.71 high down to that 61.8% retracement, that is about a 37% decline on the queues there. That is the next FIB level uh, that could possibly be tested if this, these recent lows don't hold and if this recent FIB that we kind of tested and danced all around doesn't hold. Similarly, on the S&P 500, if you pull up SPX, Tim, or ES, it really doesn't matter. Uh, and Don talked about this in a good bit um, when we bounced off the 38.2% retracement level right there around 38.15. Um, I think the low is 38.10. So we bounced off that level. Ultimately, we ran back up to around 41.50, almost up to 4,200, and have kind of rolled back over again. And before we talk about the next FIB, I do want to say this 3,900 level, big, big battleground level, we battled around this 3,900 area. Uh, a decent bit ultimately before we went and tagged 3810. We were all around 3900 during that, the, all around those lows. So 3900, a big level here. We're kind of all over the place, um, dancing around it, trying to find some support there, at least for today. But the next big fib on the S&P 500 to pay attention to 50% retracement, 3505 or roughly 3500 on the SPX. So that's the next fib below. 30, the 38.2 held, at least for this most recent bounce. We'll see if it holds again or if those recent lows hold. But if not, pay attention to that next FIB right there around 3,500, uh, specifically 3,505.24. That could come into play. Something to certainly pay attention to. Also, roughly 3,500, a uh, former resistance level as well, going back to, I believe that's August and October-ish of 2020. Um, so. That is all I have, a little bit different than my normal um, run through, but I thought it could be valuable. So that's what I got today, Tim. Awesomeness. Okay, I'll tell you what, Don, uh, you want to go over? That, uh, I want to comment comment on what Hunter said. Yeah. That 3505 level uh, also reflects a normalization of the S&P uh, longer term PE. Uh, if, you, if you do regression and, and how PEs compare, uh, expand and contract versus uh, business cycles of boom and bust. We're obviously in the, in the process of them contracting that, that 3,500 is a, uh, I've read several places, a, a realistic target level. If the PE or the S and P 500 pulls back to, and I, I don't have the level at hand, but that that's a very realistic target. So Don has uh, um, every, every week Don does the, um, 21 over 21, uh, I don't know, 21, which I think then becomes the dirty 30, something, something to that effect. But dirty 30 is retired. Oh, dirty 30 is retired. Oh, yeah. Like were the dirty birds, the Atlanta Falcons. Was that? Yes, they were. Yeah. That was the Deion Sanders days. Is that Jerry Glanville? Jerry Glanville coach, Deion Sanders. Pretty sure. June Jones. I think no. I think it was Dan Reeves when they went to the uh, Super Bowl that year. Wow. Uh, you know what? It was Dan Reeves. Um, so Don does the video uh, every Friday night. Uh, find it at riverasset.com. And then you just click tomorrow's insights, and uh, you'll see all. We never pull videos down. We never edit them. Once they're up there, that's the anthology. If you want to see how we perform in any market condition, that's where you go to. Pick any year, pick any video, and you will absolutely possibly see uh our work that, that that's that, that's something that nobody else does 
You're not going to find that from your strip mall advisor next to the vape shop. By the way, who you should call this weekend and ask them what their sell this week. Uh, Don, let's go. What do you want to look yeah, at? Yeah, the, the, the 21 over 21, all 21 are down today. Shouldn't really be a surprise. And that's a reflection of uh, leaders hold up until they don't. One of the leading uh, areas in the market had been chemicals, which you can look to XLB for particular uh from a broad perspective versus the s&p but a uh, bunch of the leading chemical names just getting taken apart today bring up dow d-o-w this is one that uh from a large cap perspective have been holding up and uh just fine but that big red candle that you're looking there pretty Sorry. much represents what you're seeing in all of them today uh the point that hunter brought up on oil we we have been talking a lot about how the S&P had been trading in this 2.5% range uh, in our videos. And we hadn't mentioned that oil was trading plus or minus $7 from this 1850 level. Can you bring up the, the futures for GC, Tim? Yes. For gold? Or, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so you can see, see the... See that uh, 1850 level? GLD is the ETF. This, yeah. this better uh, reflects the actual price of gold. So uh, I know you mentioned three weeks tight. This is a very obvious three weeks tight and a break above that, say, fifth, say uh, 18, we're at 1869 now? Yeah. Is that right? Almost 1870. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. It, it, closed within plus or minus seven the the range is a little wider but it was always closing plus or minus uh 1843 to 1857 but uh what is the high on that yellow candle the high they're right in the middle uh 187860 yeah. yeah so a break above that and then you've got the declining 50-day moving average which is pretty much right around that area um Big outside positive reversal in gold today. Uh, money's got to flow somewhere. It goes to where it's treated best or treated least bad in the case of today. My um, screen is just a sea of red. We've got CF, a fertilizer stock up. We've got GlaxoSmithKline, GSK. They had some news. They're higher. Netties, Chinese stocks. I mentioned this about a month and a half ago. The Chinese equivalent of the Fed is actually easing monetary conditions. And lo and behold, don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the communist Fed either. Uh, their Chinese stock charts look better uh, than U.S. charts do right now. But of course, they've got a whole different uh, set of issues if you're dealing with the overwhelming power of a government to make decisions against individual companies on a whim. So anyway, the way we're positioned in house, um, when we broke through that the bottom of that level yesterday on the S and P that had held up, uh, kind of the, the, the fin twit statement was we would hold inside that level until CPI came out this morning, but a breakdown front ran CPI this morning. Uh, we loosened up about a third of our exposure by end of day yesterday and took off uh, 80% of the rest of the exposure when with the gap down and follow through to the downside today. So we're on the precipice of basically uh, going net short uh, on rallies of the broad ETFs that we own, which are still DIA and SSO. They rally up into um, declining 
uh, into overhead resistance areas. Uh, yesterday and today, uh, the market, yes, we're still in a flat base, but yesterday and today, uh, this is the, will be the third straight distribution day on the indexes. That's, that's not your uncle and your aunt selling. That's big Wall Street selling. And um, we don't predict that the bottom of that base could hold, but a close below uh, 3,900 is an, is another red flag. 4,000 was a yellow flag. 3,900 is a light red flag and below 3,800, the recent lows is a, is a get the hell out of the way, uh, for anything that you've got left in your portfolio. And that's the way we'll be handling it, uh, here at Revere. So, so we're down to CVX, which is, um, Chevron. We're down to GLD. And we're down to TBT, which goes up as interest rates rise. Can you show the charts, please? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. There. Uh, CVX. CVX uh, still holding up. There's been some oils actually were green earlier today, but they reversed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we did sell one of our oil positions yesterday, LNG, when it uh, pierced the 21 and 50 day which were stacked up. It was a nice setup and it moved off of it on Wednesday, but then, or on Tuesday, but then gave it back uh, Wednesday and Thursday and now broke below it today. Uh, we're all, we also sold LNTH this morning as that broke down. Uh, we sold ON. ON and LNTH were to me the two leading stocks in the market outside of anything that's energy related. Um, and one that I held on too long to was uh, Zim, Z-I-M. Uh, when that broke the three, it, it broke, it sold half on a break of the uh, orange line. It was very oversold. I was expecting a bounce, didn't get it. Uh, sold the rest of it when it broke below at yesterday's uh, open. And uh Took a we, we try not to lose any more than 0.2% on any individual position. I think we were 0.4% on this one. So uh held on to that one too long. Okay, I'll tell you and what. And that's that's about it. Um certainly not what we want to see. Inflation causes civil unrest. It has ruined economies and countries, frankly, and that's why it's a it's a major concern. And uh, there's talk now about the Fed possibly doing a 1% uh, emergency rate hike next Wednesday to try to calm inflation because anything that's been done so far sure as hell isn't working. All right, I'll tell you what, on that happy note, um, this will be the best transition this show has ever seen. Don, can you Just take- the facts. You might not like the facts. Don't <laughs> shoot right. the messenger, but those are the facts. Can you uh, do us a favor and uh, take us home? I've got one last thing after we end the show here. Can you uh, take us home as Danny? I, I would love to. All right. All right. Y'all, y'all do your the thing. Just but only visit- Hold on a second. Danny's head up. Oh, yeah. I'll give only Zach's. Zach I'll, yeah, yeah. Give me, yeah, give me, give me a I'm minute. Talking. Also, Don, don't, don't move your head a whole lot. Let kinda, me vamp. Try to- so... Uh, <laughs> The, the juxtaposition of Don's, Don's sermon there on it's bad to, oh, hey, Don, by the way, now that we've ended that, can we, uh, can we do something that's mildly funny? I and, mean, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> no wonder people hate. No, not at all. 
Well, I mean, basically what I did was give uh, the markets version of your Dairy Queen story. There you go. Smells like sewage. Rancid oil. And by the way, the the chicken tendies don't even taste good. Like when when I suspect what's happening. You need to go to a better Dairy Queen. This is an ownership issue. It's a management issue. I think it is. It's the two. They they own two uh, in the two neighboring towns I live in. Um, I suspect that what restaurants are doing, no proof. That because oil is high price, that they're ex- they're trying to extend the fryer oil, as well. All right, I think I got this dialed. That's a whole. No- By the way, if you have any uh, fast food insights uh, complaints, Dan, at, we're going to compile them. Dan at revereassets.com is how you uh, do that. All right, um, Don, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Limited Fake Danny, take us away. All right, folks, if you like what you've heard, tell your friends, tell your family, and we'll see you. Go to revereasset.com. <laughs> Don't forget to get on our email list so you can keep in sync with everything that we do on the markets. And if, uh, I'm sorry, on the markets? if you like what you heard, come on back and we'll see you next week on your money. It almost sounded this. Keep keep limited fake Danny up there. It almost sounded a limited fake Danny as if you tried to say the word market and varmints at the same time. Uh, you know, like like varmints are they're um, like mice, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, sure. I, well, I, that would be the equivalent of of extrogenous. Yes, that was awesome. Varmint, market, extraneous, extraneous. Yes, yes, exogenous. I think. <laughs> I think. Um, what what do you think, Limited Fake Danny? Do you think this year's gift should be a spice rub or mud flaps with your picture on it? That's an interview question for. Well, me. it's got to be the spice rub. I mean, <laughs> mud flaps. Not everybody. Not everybody needs mud flaps. Some True. people live in the desert. <laughs> All right, Stockner's market lovers, we love you. Look, um, just trying to have a little. Um, one last thing I, I talked about peak, 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 and, um, let's look here real quickly at something. I wonder, uh, Don mentioned, uh, Chevron uh, went red. I wonder if oil's peaked. Uh, has, has oil peaked? And, uh, let's look first here though, at where oil is on an ATR chart. Let's do the same kind of apples to apples. I was doing it. And so here's oil. Oil was much higher back in March, right? And that could have been a short squeeze that drove it up because as I've noted with the economic survey, right? It, it is bad out there, right? Like the, the, that economic, that Michigan survey is the gold standard. It's the one I, I turned to and I, I've charted it uh, over a long time. And so um, oil is actually down. Some would say, of course it's down today, Tim. It's deflationary what's happening out there. The buildup of inventories that, tar- that Target mentioned, you think it's just Target? And, and so when we look at what happened, right, a little more intricacy here before I get to as oil peaked and I finish my point, I want to go back to the dollar. And so the dollar um, the other day on the target day, so target was Tuesday, I believe, Don, right? And here's the Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday. And like dollar came up here and then it went lower. Tuesday was a good day in the market. And so what, why would the dollar go lower? Because it's deemed to be in deflationary a buildup in inventories inflation's high that's not it's not good it's stagflate you know it, it's everything that was bad about the carter years and there 
and the, the 1980, 1981 until the market finally turned in 82. So then could oil be peaking? And I want to show you a chart. Uh, uh, LYB is another chemical company. Uh, they do the plastics and um, Don highlighted Dow and he mentioned chemical companies. The only reason why I'm showing you this right now, if I can find a daily chart, where's my daily chart? Um, there, perhaps there's a slowdown afoot in uh, these chemical companies that use petrol. And if there's a slowdown afoot in the chemical companies that use petrol to make plastics, that, you know, that lessens demand, okay? And then uh, I want to show you gasoline futures. So gas futures are like, Tim, on a daily chart, these are just uh, stagnant. They're, they're not at a high. As a matter of fact, uh, kind of kind of got a little trend resistance there. Uh, and they're down uh, almost 3% today, or quarter percent. Boy, that's interesting. Gasoline is at an all-time high across this country, average $5 a gallon. The gasoline futures are actually plateauing. And that, folks, is kind of where I'm at. I'm not saying it's peaked, everything is peaked, and it's happy days are here again. I wonder if we've plateaued. Is today, this week, plateau week? And then the market's just in this purgatory of a really aggressive range until um, we figure out what's next. That shock, if Don's right, you know, well, not if Don's right, if, if uh, there is a 1% rate raise uh, to come, I'll leave you with this thought, uh, that's that kind of shock in y'all. You know, like you got to go shock your pool to get, get it on green so it becomes clear again. That will cleanse, I believe, the markets. So with that, any, any save rounds or uh, alibis, Don, Hunter? No? All right. No, sir. All right. With that, we'll see you next week on Your Money. Barring any extrogenous events. Yeah.